What's up, everybody? It is my two of 12. Remember to make your story count. I am Nikki Angie, and I am back with another podcast for you. Oh, my goodness. Can y'all believe that it's already month two? Like, oh, my gosh. Month two. Month one went by so fast. But, you know, it's okay. If you didn't make your story count in month one, you can always make it a new start in month two. You don't got to start when everybody else starts. New Year's resolution, what? You know, it's all good. But it is month two. Month two, February. And in February, a lot of people always talk about Valentine's Day and love and all this other stuff and whatnot like that. But my African-American self, I love black history. So I always recognize black history. I don't always recognize it like I should or I used to. But I learned a lot more when I was in elementary school because I did go to a it was an all-black elementary school because of where it was set, but it wasn't all-black for because of, you know, rules and regulations because we had diverse teachers. It wasn't just all-black teachers and everything like that. It was just the community that it was set in. That's why we had all-black students. But that's at the time where I learned so much about black history, but I didn't learn everything that I wanted to learn. There's so much more that I can learn about my culture, and I'm just... <sighs> I just want to flourish. But this month for Black History, I've decided to do something a little bit different. Um, I posted on my Instagram, so if you follow me on Instagram, you've already seen this post. But I want to do something a little bit different for Black History. Is I want to learn about it. So I'm going to be posting about people that aren't as popular or as most talked about as other people that are in Black History, but also play a very influential role role in black history like those those that are always talked about are like Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman, sometimes even Sojourner Truth, um, George Washington Carver. These are all people that are talked about most often with black history but we don't talk about all these other people that play such a vital role in this movement and this change and making us who we are and giving us that background and that foundation for us to stand on. So that's kind of what I want to do for this month of February. Not every day, not every podcast, but I do want to post something like that just to give kind of a little background about that person just so you can learn a little bit more. I can learn, you can learn, we can all learn, you know. So that's basically what this podcast is going to be about. I'm going to be telling you guys about the person that I actually posted on Instagram. So if you guys want to see like pictures or read about what I posted, go check out my Instagram at just underscore smile five. That is just underscore smile five. This person is a very influential person in the black community. And I feel like a lot of people don't usually talk about her. But this is one of the people that I kind of knew a little background about, but not too much. But I knew enough. Well, not enough, because I didn't. <laughs> I didn't come up with all this information myself. I looked it up. So, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and get into this podcast though, and tell you guys a little bit about this person, and kind of just give like a little background, and then tell you who it is and stuff like that, and how they play such a huge part in Black history. So, I'm gonna go ahead and get into that. So, the person that I am talking about, drum roll, please, is Ruby Bridges. I don't think a lot of people hear about Ruby Bridges or they've heard the name, but they don't know like her background and the things that she went to and where she is now. Um, Ruby Bridges was born in 1954, 1954. Um, she was the oldest of five children, oldest of five. 
I cannot imagine having five kids. I know that doesn't seem as a lot like I guess back in the day, my mom, she has eight brothers and sisters, so it's nine of them in total. But five kids, I just I'm going I'm rambling. I'm going, you know. <laughs> but she was the oldest of five. Um, in 1960, Ruby's parents volunteered Ruby to participate in an integration of the New Orleans school system. Ruby was born in Mississippi, and her family moved to New Orleans. So that's kind of like one of those important points, um, that she was born in Mississippi, and she moved to New Orleans. So you would assume, like, Mississippi, it was, like, during, like, the 50s and 60s that, that it was kind of hardcore and kind of bad and you know all this racism and everything was going around but she moved to New Orleans I mean it's still the south I don't think it was any better it I mean from reading this it wasn't any better but um she was her parents volunteered Ruby to participate in an integration of the New Orleans school system by the NAACP. If you guys don't know what the NAACP, it is the National Association for Adva- for the Advancement of Colored People. So NAACP, that is what it stands for. Um, but they, um, the school board administered an entrance exam for the children at Ruby School in hopes of not being able to integrate schools. So this was right after the whole Brown versus Board of Education thing. So they had already integrated schools or passed the law to integrate schools, but schools were still segregated. There were still black schools and there were still white schools. And I just think it's crazy. Like the law had passed, but nobody was following the law. Like that's ridiculous to me. Like I I don't, I don't think they would have just been like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do this now. But I guess the NAACP, they decided that they were going to make this stance and they were going to do it at this moment because, like, if nobody does it, then nothing's going to happen. You know, that's the same concept with a lot of stuff. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. So, yeah. So, um, they made them take the entrance exam in hopes of not being able to integrate the schools. So, they made it extremely hard for these six-year-olds, six-year-olds, so they wouldn't enter into a white public school white public school like what kind of sense does that make I you know but luckily Ruby and five five other children six children in all passed the exam and they um that determined whether they could enter into an all-white school so Ruby the six-year-old and five other kids passed this extremely hard exam that they were trying to give them so that they wouldn't enter into this school. If that doesn't tell you guys anything about these children at this moment, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else to tell you. That tells you right there that they're intelligent and smart and they know exactly what they're doing. Like, you know, (laughs) well, out of those six children, two of those children decided that they were not going to leave the, the, the school that they were in now. So the, those two children and their families decided that they were going to stay in that school. Um, I don't know why this happened, but Ruby ended up going to a separate school from the other three children. Um, I don't know why she ended up going to that school by herself, but she ended up going alone and those other three children entered a, were transferred into another all-white school. I don't know why that happened, but it did. Um, um, where did I stop? Oh, you know, 
But all these parents, they took that leap of faith and they en- enrolled their children in these schools. Um, Ruby was the only one to attend. The school that she attended was William Franz Elementary School. That's William Franz. I think um, I read something also that like something happened to the school during like Hurricane Katrina because it is in New Orleans. So Ruby had to stand up for that school because she know what impact she had when she went to that school and she just was like we have to reopen this school and we have to put our history back into this school you know I think that's really big of her but you know this little girl six years old entered this school all by herself having to be escorted I mean not by herself I mean her mom was with her but she had to be escorted by federal officers going through this riot and going through this craziness of course know that they're in um New Orleans so her six-year-old self was like it was so chaotic and stuff like that that she thought it was Mardi Gras and you know in New Orleans Mardi Gras is like insane and it's hype and you know it's crazy and not crazy in a bad way but crazy in a good way and it's exciting and that was like I can't even picture it like a six-year-old believing that this chaos that she's walking into is Mardi Gras I don't know. Um, as she continued to go to school, the white parents pulled their children out. The white parents pulled their children out, and the teachers, the white teachers, decided that they weren't going to teach. Except for one teacher that was from Boston, Massachusetts, and her name was Barbara Henry. Barbara Henry decided that she was going to stay at the school, and she was going to teach just like it was an entire class. An entire class, when it was just that one child that was there. I mean, other children were coming back into school, but nobody ever came back into the classroom that Ruby was in. But other children in other classrooms decided that they were coming back to school because, I mean, why would you hinder your child from your from education because of something like you, that, that belief of you? Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. But Ruby was in that class for her by herself for an entire year. Like, people hated black people that much. White people hated black people that much that they didn't even want to be in the same classroom as her. Like, desks are not near each other in classes, and yet you're doing this to a six-year-old child. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Like I said, she she remained in that classroom by herself for an entire year. So that means the next year over, she didn't see anybody in her class until that next year. I don't even know how that ended up being for her, like, I don't know how that ended up being, like, the next year if, like, she felt more included and it was more of, like, kind of like an inclusion classroom or actually what happened. i like to learn more about that. But um, in 1999, I read that Ruby Bridges started the Ruby Bridges Foundation, um, which she formed to promote the values of tolerance, respect, and appreciation for all differences. And I think that is a beautiful beautiful thing to promote because values tolerance well value of tolerance respect and appreciation for differences knowing that everybody is different and like even if you are the same race you're gonna think different you're gonna have different values and different morals and different concepts about stuff we're not gonna all have the same concepts and same beliefs just because we are all the same race there's a lot of black people that don't have the same religion I mean, that doesn't make anybody wrong, but, I mean, I'm just saying, there's always going to be a difference. We don't look the same. Always going to be a difference. But, um, 
um, she described the mission of this group um, as racism is a grown-up disease and we must stop using our children to spread it. So knowing her background and knowing that what she had gone through, the children didn't eliminate themselves from this classroom. The parents took these children out of the classroom. The teachers that were adults decided not to be in the classroom because there was a a black child in the school. Not even in their classroom, just in the school in general, which was crazy. I also read that when she would walk to school, a lady held a um, threatened that she was going to poison her. And there was another lady that held up a black doll in a coffin. And it got so crazy that the president at the time, Eisenhower, had to specifically make a request for her to have to bring lunch from her own home from her own home because she didn't they didn't know what they were going to do with the lunch at the school that's crazy like that's just that's a lot for a six-year-old child to have to go to go through but like (laughs) like what she said right here racism is a grown-up disease that is something not something that you're born with Racism is not something that you're born with. That is a learned, that is a learned, what am I trying to say? That's something that people learn and teach their children. Like, and it's still going on to this day because it's been taught by generations and taught through generations. It's been taught to not like certain people because of their race, because of their religion, because they're different from you. People have specifically taught these things. And I just think it's ridiculous that we're in 2019 and we're still dealing with race, religion, and not liking people because of it. Like, it's just too much for me. But I feel like Ruby Bridges, she played such a vital role in black history. And in 1960s, if she had not gone to that school by herself, I don't know if we ever would have integrated schools. Because she was six and she was extremely powerful. And her walking into that door I don't even know how she would feel with all those people yelling at her and telling her that they didn't like her because of her skin that she couldn't change you can't change your color of your skin it doesn't work like that but you know Ruby Bridges she continues to make an impact and she continues to tell her story I feel like I've read a book about Ruby Ruby Bridges I've also I saw that they had a movie for Ruby Bridges it was like a Disney movie but I still have I haven't seen it but I want to look it up but she continues to make an impact and I feel like even in 2019 we can continue to make impacts um the world has changed but it hasn't changed enough in my opinion for us to just sit back and act like everything is cool and not go out and voice what we need to voice um we're young. We can make a difference. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. You can always make a difference. She was six. I mean, she made a huge difference. Those other three kids that went to that other school, they were obviously six. They were five or six. They were in kindergarten. I mean, like, can you, like, if you have a kindergartner or if you have a kindergarten cousin, just put yourself in their shoes. And just imagine that little person walking into something that they're extremely uncomfortable with and don't know really what to do. That concept was what Ruby Bridges felt at that moment. And I just feel so much gratitude towards her. Um, But that's the end of this podcast. If I keep talking, I'm just going to keep rambling about 
how amazing she is and things like that. So, and it's kind of late at night. And I feel like I'm really just going on and on. But, um, yeah, if you guys want to see pictures of Ruby Bridges or some things, I put those on my Instagram. So, go check those out um, and like it. I'll be doing some more of those kind of, like, unspoken people in black history that people don't often speak about. But that's the end of this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this idea because I really did. This is not going to be something that I'm going to do every day I do a podcast. It's just going to be something kind of to broaden our horizons and broaden our knowledge about stuff like this. So, yeah, like I always say, remember to be a rose in a garden full of daisies because you are unique and beautiful just the way you are. Remember, you are strong, valuable, and resilient. I am Nikki Angie, and I will be back with another podcast for you. See you in the next one.